You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm interviewing Jacob Jolibois. He is the chief product designer and owner of the new company, Block. So I can't wait to hear all about that. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Just for everybody listening, in case y'all aren't familiar with what Block is, it is an on-demand lawn care app. So think Uber, but forgetting your grass mode. I think that's honestly so genius. When I heard about this, I was like, why did this not exist? I know, it is a cool idea. And I will uh, say I can't take credit for the idea. That is my co-founder, who uh, is the CEO of the company, and he came up with it and brought me on board uh, to kind of make it a reality. So shout out to Matthew Armstrong. Got it. Okay. So tell me about how all this even happened. Because last time I talked to you, you were designing websites, doing all the agency life stuff, and then now you're slanging lawns, basically, right? (laughs) Yeah. So this was about a year in the making. Um, Starting about May of 2018, Matthew had this idea, and we knew each other from church, and so he just called me up and said, hey, let's uh, let's grab some coffee. I have an idea I want to run by you. So we met up at Whole Foods, and he said, look, I want to do a a on-demand lawn care app, like Uber, but for your lawns. But the catch is I want to have a philanthropic arm or an impact arm of the business where a percentage of the revenue that comes in or maybe some of the manpower that we have on staff can then go and give back to the community in some way through beautification efforts, trying to um, maintain some of the blighted lots in the city because a lot of the uh, the blight and the the problematic overgrown grass and everything that that sometimes happens whenever something is neglected for a long time can bring down property values as a whole and then of course it's a kind of the the broken window effect it's so like a morale thing yeah. exactly exactly you want to be able to take pride in your in your city in your community and so uh, this was kind of the the start of everything and I really got on board with that idea and I had uh, at the time I was working for a marketing agency called mesh here in Baton Rouge Uh, as their director of digital so like you mentioned I was designing a lot of websites and and leading the team there to do a lot of digital projects for clients and while that was really fun uh, I had this growing passion on the side to do product design and I don't mean products like um, a candy bar or a chair Mm -hmm. I mean digital products so think software or apps on your phone and I had been looking for outlets where I could put some of this product design uh, passion to use and uh, I thought man maybe this is maybe this is that option so fast forward about six months um, I had gotten married in those six months yeah so congrats s- by the way thank you uh, I, so I watched suddenly, all this unfold on Instagram I, I know like, what? it was a whirlwind for those listening uh, my wife and I got married within two months of dating uh, but Side note, we knew each other for 13 years. So okay. It wasn't as ridiculous as it might sound on the on the surface. Uh, so anyway, we got married in that time, and so now I'm, I have this great full-time job getting paid well and, uh, and a wife, and I'm loving life, and everything seems to be um, kind of settled in. And making a leap like this is a scary transition for a lot of people. Mm-hmm suddenly you have to take a pay cut because your business doesn't make money for the first few months while you're getting things started. 
you have a lot of unknown variables. So you don't know if people want your product. You don't know if they're going to pay you for your product. You don't know if you're going to crash and burn and run out of money six months down the road. There's a lot of different ways this could go down, and most of them are bad. So You're in the red for a very long time. Yes, a very <laughs> long time. So that was kind of a, a decision that I wrestled with for about two months. Uh, my my gut was telling me, no, no, there's no way I'm making this jump um, because I, I need to support my family and, and I need to have a stable stable income. And I really did love my job in Mesh, which right. makes it that much harder because uh, I had an amazing boss, amazing coworkers, amazing projects, uh, amazing income. It was really a sweet setup. Uh, but my wife said, look, are you going to regret this? If you look 10 years down the road, you didn't make that leap and either block is doing well without you or or the impact side never came to fruition and therefore it died and i was like man you're right (laughs) this is this is a little more of a you know a a life shift that i don't necessarily want to pass up because it could provide me with um you know an opportunity to do what i love so about November, late November of last year, I kind of made the decision official. I talked with my boss. He was incredibly understanding um, and supportive. And I made the leap in January. So I gave Mesh about two months worth of time buffer to help me, to help find replacements mm-hmm. and offload some of my responsibility and such. So in January, I finally I finally made the full switch over to Block, and Matthew did the same. He was working as the executive pastor at a church and ended up uh, jumping ship as well, and so both of us kind of forged a, a new path. So it's just you two? Just us two for now. Uh, well, okay, caveat that. It's just us two full-time. Okay. Uh, we have eight part-time mowers working for us. And oh, duh. I guess who's going to mow yeah, the lawn? Right. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking like tech, digital, like... We are a tech company primarily. Yeah. Uh, we just happen but there's to a service component. be in yeah. the lawn care business, uh, the tech side of the lawn care business. Yeah. So we do have eight part-time mowers, and those guys uh, and one gal are hustlers. I mean, they are amazing people. So That's so cool. So I actually, I don't know when these episodes are going to go out in relation to each other, but I just got done interviewing your old boss, Taylor, and he spoke so highly of you. And that's how I know you is through different projects at Mesh and stuff. Um, but that's really nice that he was understanding and that you were able to kind of make a seamless transition without like making oh, yeah. everybody angry or like looking for jobs in secret or all that drama that exactly. comes with switching, um, jumping ship. And I will say burning bridges is one of the worst things you can do. So do whatever you can to, if you're dead set on making that sort of a transition, do whatever you can to make sure that you are providing value to the employer leaving. Mm-hmm. So... I wanted to make sure they weren't left high and dry, so I gave them two months instead of the normal two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I made sure that I was available for freelance projects on the side. Yeah, because it's so, not like you moved away. It's still right. the same city. I'm still and, here. Yes. Still love all those people there, so it was easy for them to, if they needed help, they could bring me on on a contract basis. I could fill in some of the gaps in the mm-hmm. workflow. So I'd, I wanted to make sure that that was a, an easy and smooth transition. And uh, Taylor is one of the most amazing human beings on the planet, but also just an amazing boss. And uh, so much so that we actually brought him on as one of our advisors. So he's on our board of advisors for Block. Okay. Well, to go into that, tell me about, like, I don't know. I know how to start a business when it's just you. Yep. 
taking pictures because that's what I do. Right. <laughs> I don't even know if I started it the right way or how, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows, but what I will say is I have no idea how you start a tech company. I don't know the first thing about a board of advisors or having part-time workers or building an app. Can you just go into like the nitty gritty of like what it, even in, it takes to make Block happen? For sure. So this was uh, quite the adventure because both Matthew and I have not done the startup scene in a traditional startup way, like a Silicon Valley startup mm-hmm. way. Um, Matthew was part of creating the ch- uh, starting the church and running the business side and operation side of the church. So he had a lot of experience there. Um, I, this is the third business that I've started, uh, like officially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a I was a photographer for eight years, like yeah, you. Yeah, I've seen your uh, uh, Christmas cards, your Photoshop you. <laughs> work, and <laughs> so I did that for a while and ran that uh, business as a sole proprietor. Okay. Then I yeah. started Alt BR, the Alt BR podcast, which is where I think maybe we met for the first time. Yes, when you probably took pictures the very of first me time. Yeah, and that was uh, a partnership between me and Abe's, and, then, and that was an actual business that y'all started uh-huh. for it. Yep. In fact, the entity still exists. It's Parachute.fm is the parent company, and then Alt BR was just one of the shows that we produced. We produced three different shows. That was a great run. Um, Abe still uh, runs that business on the side. So I moved on from that uh, back in the fall whenever I was thinking about moving to Block. Mm -hmm. Then, and Block is an LLC uh, that is a little bit more complex than your typical um, solo entrepreneur or partnership. So this is the third and third different type of business I've started. So you're well versed, that's nice. Very interesting. Effectively, what it looks like is uh, Abe and I, oh, sorry, not Abe, Matthew and I are, are the co-founders and the primary owners of the company, um, but the equity is divided a certain percentage split to each co-founder and then also to any investors. And that was the new part for me. So, tech, so there's, where there's tech, there's tech, investment. Yes. Uh, so we are actually right in the middle of fundraising right now. And that is a whole other beast that is very new to me uh, and to Matthew. But we are, we've got some amazing advisors who are walking us through it and telling us about the, the legal side of things. How mm-hmm. does the equity get split up? How much does an investor get based on the amount of money that they put in? That amount of money is basically a percentage of the total valuation of a company, which is... Uh, a somewhat arbitrary number in the beginning because it's hard to tell how much the company's actually worth. But once you have a valuation put on it, that could be a combination of the revenue that you're making, um, the personnel that you have on staff, the business assets, um, the the financial forecast over the next five years. Uh, I mean, there's a number of different factors that go into determining how much your company is worth. So once you, once you get that number solidified, then a percentage of that number, let's say $100,000 that you're raising, is 10% of, let's say, a $1 million valuation. So the investor would get 10% of the equity, if that makes sense. It does. I just had never thought about any of those yeah. things before. So I- it is, it's honestly more complex than that, uh, but without going into the more complicated math uh-huh. behind it, which... I can't do unless I have a whiteboard in front of me. Um, <laughs> that is that is the basic gist of it. So this might be a really dumb question, but 
No dumb questions. Art manager. So does that mean y'all are a private company or a public company because you have investors? We are a private company. Um, public, you will not become a public company until you IPO, which is an right. initial public offering, and then your stock will get listed on the stock exchange and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we are not a public company. We're raising private investment. Okay. Yep. That is another side of the business that I just forget exists, and that's how the world works. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <I> hear <laughs> well, that's you. like, it's interesting, like, companies like Waiter or something, you hear about them, like, oh, it's homegrown, it's an app, and yep. then it's, like, gets bought out, and then just, like... And IPOs. Now, now and, you can, like, yeah. buy stock on, on Robinhood or something, yep. and I'm Pretty like, crazy. this is crazy. It started, like, in Lake Charles, and so it's kind of like what y'all are... What y'all are doing? Yeah, pretty crazy news on Waiter. Actually, I don't know if you saw it, but the CEO just became the CEO. And no, I didn't see any of this. Yeah, it was a, a big, big deal. I think it came out yesterday, maybe. Interesting. So, yep. Well, yeah. I'm trying to get into <laughs> how all that works because I recently tried to put like, I mean, I'm buying like one share of things for like twenty bucks. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm investing. In the same yeah. And then I'm getting the like, emails. I'm like, oh, I'm part of the company. This is cool. Twenty. <laughs> 20-something dollars, um, but so I'm really interested in how that works, because it's just, like I said, I went to art school, and it's just so much of this kind of stuff is how the world works, and it just is not taught to you, unless yeah, you talk 100%. to someone else about it, so I yeah. think it's so cool that someone around the same age as me is, like, starting a company with someone else, and they're just, like, you know, raising money, and here you go, and you're just doing yeah. the thing. Yeah, and I will do a quick plug here for Louisiana Please. Technology Park, which is the a business incubator that we're in. So for anyone who is not familiar with the term incubator, basically it is an organization that provides the uh, the advice and uh, infrastructure for a business to kind of get started. So they provide a building, they provide fast, secure Wi-Fi, uh, co- endless coffee, yeah. <laughs> um, a printer, you know, the, the typical, typical business amenities that one would need to get started without having, so instead of us having to go find all of those things, we just become a part of that incubator, move into the building, and we have all of these amenities available to us, which is amazing. It allows us to focus on the business instead of having to focus on right, the, and everything else, yeah, yeah. the infrastructure side of things. Um, and it also provides us with some... In, uh, advisors, um, the director here at the tech park, Stephen Loy, is incredible. Um, the uh, our, one of our advisors, Todd Lowry, is our advisor for investor readiness. So he looks at our financial statements, he looks at our projections, he looks at our pitch deck. Make sure that we're not going to embarrass ourselves whenever we get in front of investors to start asking for money. Um, all of these people are here to. Uh, help and encourage and support the members of Tech Park. So that has been a, an amazing blessing, and everyone here is fantastic. We love them. How do you get involved with that? So you can go to their website, just Google Louisiana Technology Park. You'll be able to find them. Uh, there's an application you have to go through. Once you fill out the application, they'll bring you in for an interview, and if they feel like, and they'll kind of grill you Shark Tank style, mm-hmm. um, maybe so not quite as process. aggressively. Exactly. And if everything checks out, they feel like you actually have a chance of succeeding and they want to invest their time, energy, and resources into you as a business, they'll accept you in, into the tech, tech park. That's cool. Into the That's very cool. And I've yeah. always heard about Louisiana Technology Park, and I just never knew what it was or where it was until I pulled up. And I was like, oh, this address matches. Because yeah. we're, if y'all can't uh, tell, there's no jingling of my dog in the background <laughs> today. Um, so we are <laughs> recording at the Louisiana, the tech park. We are, so, so huge shout out. They were actually 
the uh, advertiser on OPR. They were the sponsor of OPR. Wait, that's how I knew about it. Because I listened to, okay, so also, I'm going to link all this stuff in the show notes, but OPR is a podcast that Jacob did with um, another guy, Abe, and he kind of talked about it, but it's very, it's a very good podcast, especially if you live in the area, and it's kind of, you know, something that I looked at when I was trying to start mine, and you had the whole episode about, like, what to do to start a podcast. And I, yep. remember, I remember listening to that and being like, I could do this. So, <laughs> props to you. So, y'all are Thank no you. longer recording, but the episodes are still live, correct? Correct. Like, they're yep. on iTunes and everything else. We went for uh, just over two years and recorded or released an episode every single week for two years and finally shuttered it back in September, I believe, of last year. Yeah, but yep. the episodes are still relevant. Still, so still relevant, listen. yep. Uh, essentially, for anyone who is curious, it is highlighting the people uh, doing amazing things in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So we have everyone from incredible chefs who are uh, kind of for, forging ahead in the experimental food scene. We have nonprofits doing amazing things for people in need here in town we have um, ceos of successful businesses Mm -hmm. i mean it is a wide spectrum of all the people doing incredible things yeah doing all the baton rouge things um well to get back to like the tech side of this conversation how do you make an app literally like how do you make an app (laughs) (laughs) so apps are uh kind of a wild beast for a lot of people because they just see them in the app store, download them, and there's not a whole lot of thought into yeah. how it gets made. But uh, it's a fun fun and semi-complicated process. Yeah, um, I bet. I am not a <laughs> technical person, so I don't code. Okay. But I do have a background in building websites. Right. So I have some experience from the user experience standpoint as far as how do you navigate a website mm-hmm. or, in this case, how do you navigate an app to make sure everything is clear and easy um, and how do you uh, design an app to make it look user-friendly and approachable and uh, and not look jumbled and have weird colors and fonts and everything running off the side of your screen. Yeah, that's the that, design right? part of you, exactly, huh? That exactly. gets how that works. So I came in uh, to lead product here, which basically means I map out the vision for the product. Uh, then I take that vision and distill it down into an actionable, actionable strategy. And that strategy basically said, these are the features that I want to roll out for the MVP or the minimum viable product for the app, which is the most basic prototype version that people can actually use and someone actually mows their yard. That's the MVP. Um, then I say, okay, in, in V1, I want to have these features, V2, these features, etc. Um, and you're breaking it down based on usability. So what features do you need to actually use the app and get somebody to come to your house and move your yard? Uh, based on uh, scalability, so what features do we need in order to scale past one neighborhood to all of Baton Rouge, to all of Louisiana, to all of the United States? What will allow us to make those leaps? Um, you're looking at things like um, dependencies. So one feature might depend on another feature so you need that first feature to come before so that you can have actually the option have, yeah, to actually have, have something a drop down or whatever it is exactly yeah. so i'm thinking through all of these things and building out the product strategy that product strategy then gets broken down even further into what's called a product roadmap which is the literal documentation of every feature tied to a specific business objective so if our business objective is to make money, then a feature 
there might be a list of features under there. Another business objective might be scalability, so we'll have a list of features there. Uh, so every feature is tied to a business objective and then has some sort of documentation tied to it. Documentation simply means an explanation of how it's going to work and how it needs to be built. So when I say we want uh, something like in-app directions for our mowers, mm -hmm. in-app directions means we need some sort of map. So we have to tie into a map API like Google mm -hmm. or Apple Maps. Um, we need to have an address so the directions know where to go. So that needs to come from the user app. We need to have a current location. So that needs to come from the mower's phone. Uh, with you know a GPS. Once well, so so, you essentially have to have like a separate app for the mowers, then you do the users. Exactly. So you're building two apps, really. We're actually building three. Okay. So we have an app for the users, an app for the mowers, and an app for us as the admin to be able to manage to oversee everything. everything. Yep. So all of those things have to work in tandem with each other, and so it's my job to make sure that nothing breaks and we can actually have like a cohesive user experience for all the parties. Uh, so that is the design side of things. <laughs> Um, as far as how do you build an app, how do you take it from idea and sketches on a napkin to an actual usable, clickable app on your phone? Um, you have to find developers if you're not a, a developer yourself. Um, so we found some incredible developers here locally who gave us a bid, and so we, we sent out a request to three or four different development shops. They all gave us bids back, which basically was like, based on the features you want to build, this is how much it'll cost, and this is how long it's going to take. Mm -hmm. We made our decision, we chose a particular development shop, and uh, got to work. So we said, these are the features we want to build, here are the designs for those features, and the specs, and how we want it to work. Here's what we need in the admin portal and what kind of control and power we want as the admins. Uh, this is what we need our mowers to be able to do whenever they get a new job in the queue. We mapped it all out. They started building and you'll go back and forth with your developers because they'll inevitably have questions and you got to provide answers on how you want to proceed and all that. Once that is all done, uh, they submit um, what is called a build. You just call it a build into a little app called Test Flight. And Test Flight is Apple's version of uh, like a testing center. It's the app for the apps. It's the app for the apps, exactly. <laughs> Pre-app store. Uh, so in Test Flight, you can download a pre-launch version of your app and you can test it. You can click around, everything is workable, everything is tied to real code. Um, if everything looks good, then you submit that app to the App Store, mm. and Apple has to do their due diligence. They look to try to break everything, basically. So they'll click on everything, they'll book things, they'll uh, try every conceivable method to make sure that your app works. If everything looks good, they'll approve it and then give it back to you. And in a another app, <laughs> lots of apps here, <laughs> called App Store Connect, where you manage all of your apps, you can push a button that just launches it live. This kind of sounds like getting your podcast on the iTunes, yes, the Apple Podcast exactly. Store. Exactly. So you are familiar with this. I um, mean, it sounds more complex, but it's kind of the same thing where it's like a lot of back more, and forth and waiting process, and trying yep. to get approved. and Exactly. Yeah. So once you hit live, it pushes it to the App Store. The users can download it, they can interact with it, and hopefully you can make money with it. Well, so that was my next question. So obviously, 
if it's <clears> going to be this similar kind of model to like Uber or Waiter or any other on-demand type of app, obviously like someone will pay f on the app to have something come, you know, be done for them, Correct. like the, the lawn mowing, whatever. How do you make the money from there? Are you taking a cut from that as a business? Because the app is free to download, correct? In it order is. to use? Yep, you can download the app for free on Google Play Store and Apple App Store. Once you're in there, uh, you can click around all you want and even see your prices without putting a credit card in. So if anyone is just curious, go download the app. You can check it out. You don't have to give us your info or anything, just your address. So we can show you where you live right. <laughs> and how much it's going to be. Um, and then if you add your credit card in, it's going to prompt you to select um, or to map your yard. So it's effectively what you'll do is you'll drop pins around the corner like of your lot. It's a geofence thing? Exactly, your geofence. This is so interesting. So once you geofence your lot, then you'll geofence your house. It'll subtract the house from your lot to give us the total serviceable area in square footage. And that's how it calculates. And that's how it calculates. So it'll run the square footage through all of our four services, mowing, edging, weed eating, and blowing. And then it'll calculate a price for you based on your property. So it's special to you. Uh, once everything looks good, you select just the services you want. So it's totally a la carte. You're not locked into a contract to have to do full service maintenance. If you just want us to come and mow and run over your grass and you know, quick, quick and done, then we'll do that. If you want us to do full service, we'll do that as well. So you select those services, then you hit pay and it'll uh, charge your card and it'll put a book uh, on, or put a request out on the mower app. One of our mowers, who are all wonderful, they will select um, all of the jobs that they want from the queue, typically based on location. So if they're in one part of town, they don't have to drive across town. Select some jobs and then it'll give them a three-day service window. And the reason we do this is sometimes there's rain. Right. Sometimes uh, our mowers have a second job and they can't do it one day, but they can do it another day. So we give them a three-day service window and any time they can go and mow within that window. And so they'll show up to the house, they'll hit, or first they'll, they'll hit on my way and that's gonna send you a notification to say, hey, the mower's coming. So don't Just start so, recording a podcast by your window. Right. Because that happens to me all the time. Exactly. Or so uh, if you've got, um, you know, kids at mm -hmm. home alone and you would rather that not happen, then you can make sure you don't leave mm -hmm. your kids home alone. That's Put the a, dog inside. That right. Kind of thing. Yeah. And obviously we vet all of our mowers. They are employed by us. They are not indivi uh, individual contractors. So we do background checks. We interview them. We train them. So they're amazing people. You don't ever have to worry about things. But for those who want to uh, have that awareness, we want to make sure we're very communicative. So we send you a little notification that says, hey, we're on our way. The mower arrives, and then you get another notification that says, hey, the mower's here. And so if you look out your window and you see somebody in your yard, this that's is like who it is. the Domino's pizza tracker. <laughs> exactly. Like Paul is making yes. your pizza. <laughs> exactly. And you'll even get someone's name, so you know exactly yeah, who's in your great. yard. And then when they're done, they'll hit complete, and you'll get another notification saying your job has been complete. Um, and then through all of that, you can open the app and look at all the details. So it'll tell you exactly who's coming. It'll tell you what services you booked, the address and everything, just so you have a, a record. Um, and that's the gist of it. That is very smart. Thanks. And very cool. And like I said, I don't, I don't like to keep comparing things, but it really is it's similar to like, you know, you know, a food delivery service or right. like you think going to get your car wash and having the upgraded extra services or whatever but it's interesting because I've never heard of this for lawn mowing specifically right and 
it makes so much sense now that it exists. I'm like, why? Where has this been? Exactly. So, <laughs> lawn care has been historically antiquated. It's always behind the times. They haven't seen any significant updates to lawn care in almost 60 years. Really? So people have been mowing lawns the same way for 60 years since the mid 1900s. Um, you have to have, you know, your own equipment, mm-hmm. or you hire a lawn service. That lawn service comes and they come to your actual property, they look at the property, they write you a quote, mm-hmm. you have to leave uh, cash under the doormat or yeah. pay through Venmo or something. It's very informal. And that's because a lot of these guys are solo entrepreneurs um, and, and they are brave and amazing for getting out there and starting their own business. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they don't necessarily have a business background. So they don't want to have to deal with the admin right. stuff. They just want to do it. They just want to mow because that's what they know. So they don't want to have to go figure out business licenses. They don't necessarily want to do customer acquisition, find people uh, that, to let them mow their yard, a lot of sales. Like nobody wants to do that. They don't want to do bookkeeping. They don't want to do any of those things. So we offer them a chance to just mow and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can get on our app accept as many jobs as they want to uh, to fill up their weekend or whatever and get out there and, and just do what they do best. So, so we take care of all the customer service as well. So if right. you break a window, don't worry about it. We got you. So right now you have eight <clears throat> mowers, you said. Yep. So the plan is as you scale with, you know, reach, is to just keep picking up more and more mowers. And so exactly. is the goal yep. to make this, like you said, all of the United States, like worldwide? Yeah. yeah so right now we're in Baton Rouge. Um, we have plans to expand to uh, three-ish new, new locations in the spring, new cities. Um, so this is not hard and fast, so if we don't come to your city, sorry, uh, things yeah. change. Well, you just but, heard the whole explanation of how this works. Right. It's obviously not, like, <laughs> But easy. we are hoping for, like, North Shore, yeah. uh, New Orleans, maybe, like, uh, Kenner, Metairie area. Uh-huh. So that is the tentative plan for spring. And then we'll continue to scale across the southeast as we have the resources. So you currently, everything's working right now in Baton Rouge. The app is live. You can do it now. You can download it today. So I don't know when this is coming out, but as of right now, tonight, we're rolling out that mapping feature, which will allow us to open it up to more Baton Rouge. Because as it stands, we have been... Um, manually giving early access to people because we're still in beta mode. Okay. Um, but as of tonight, <laughs> we will be launching that to a, a, a many more people in Great. Baton Rouge, so that will be uh, more accessible for folks. Okay. That's really amazing. Yep. So what do you think has been the hardest part of this process so far? Uh, the hardest part by far is understanding that every day you're learning something new. Mm. And you don't get to come into the office and just do what you always did. You're always coming to the office and tackling a new problem that you've never dealt with before. So as a a designer and as a um, director at Mesh, I had a lot of experience with the business side of design as well as the creative side of design. But I had no idea when it came to... um, working with mobile app development, working with investors, working with uh, insurance, uh-huh. working with you know legal. Like these are all new fields and uh, it's been a fun but but sometimes overwhelming journey of hey, there's always something you got you got to learn. 
you'll never not you'll never know everything yeah and as soon as you do you're gonna get well, screwed that, over i think that um <clears throat> differentiates the contrast of being a worker bee and right. being the owner of a business yep because when you're just a worker bee, like you said, you just go in every day. And you might have some times where you have to, like, do something that makes you – it takes you out of your comfort zone or whatever. But sure. for the most part, you don't have to deal with the clients so much. You don't have right. to, like, do whatever. You clock out at five. Yep. But when you own a business or you're part owner or whatever, it is never-ending mm-hmm. um, client or customer service battles. It's never-ending all around the clock, you know, dealing with issues yeah. and things that pop up and whatever. And so I think that's um, something that people don't – think about when they're like it looks so glamorous to start a business and like oh it's so cool do what you want yep. and like you sit at home and do whatever and I'm like but it never ends yeah. so it's kind of a double-edged sword exactly There's and more you know, good than bad I feel start, like but. if you want to start a business let's say you wanted to start a business in pottery or massage therapy or uh, construction you name it all of those things you start because you you enjoy doing the pottery or you enjoy massaging or constructing right you do it because you want to do something you love for a living uh the reality comes out and slaps you in the face because that's like only gonna be one percent of your time (laughs) literally it is it is the stuff that you love and got into it in the first place for takes a backseat to running a business Mm -hmm. um if you're having we literally read every single word of like a massive uh, terms and conditions document to make sure we understood every bit of our terms and conditions. It wasn't some boilerplate copy and paste. Mm-hmm. Um, we read every word of our privacy policy, wrote every, almost every word of our privacy policy, every word of our accessibility policy. We built our website from scratch. We had to um, find out what kind of insurance we needed mm-hmm. and how much we wanted our policy to be for in order to protect X number of people in all of these unforeseen circumstances. We had to go through legal to make sure we had a trademark for our name and our logo. We had to go through um, HR and have some sort of software to manage employees and run payroll. We had to make sure that if we were doing employees, what was the, the cutoff time before we had to pay health insurance, right. for example, because that will massively increase your costs. You have to build a financial uh, model for your business. So thankfully, this was on my co-founder, <laughs> CEO. He did the financial modeling where he would, he had a like a 18 or 20 sheet um, Excel document or uh, Google Sheets document, already. where everything referenced <laughs> everything else because you have to know exactly how things will grow as you expand you know if you're in three cities what does that look like compared Mm -hmm. to five um everything changes it's so interesting how simple it sounds like this is an app and you click a button and a lawnmower shows up at your house yep yep but then all of this stuff is in you know the weeds in the background making that simple thing work exactly i find that so interesting because it makes you like hearing conversations like this make you think about everything else you see throughout the world like even just like oh like this microphone like what did it, it look so simple what did it take to like build it or anything yes, and it's just yes. i don't know if you ever watched like how it's made or oh yeah or how it works or whatever they're called that's a podcast and a show how right I built this. To, how i built this yeah, is yeah. something but then there's like how it's made as a show and it's interesting because like they'll be like this is a marble this is how it's made right. and you don't even realize how many hands have touched that and how yeah. many hours it took and it just really um legitimizes business when right. you start thinking about it and then it makes you a little more 
I feel like empathetic when hiring someone because I know for me, photography, why does it cost so much? And it's like, <laughs> right. oh, this is why this podcast exists. So I can explain all the things I have to do to keep yep. it going. And so it just yep. makes you really appreciate what people are doing when you, I think, hear the behind the scenes of how it's actually yep. happening because it's not ever as simple as it seems. Right. Which is kind of crazy. It is very crazy. And I, I will say this because sometimes uh, – I will even get into this funk where I'm like, oh, why is it so complicated to start a business? We've got to do all these things that just seem so tedious. But uh, one of my roommates is from Dubai, and the amount of freedom that they have over there to start a business is almost zero. Yeah. You have to be in a very, um, very powerful or wealthy position in order to jump through all the hoops and to get through all the red tape in order to start a business over there. Um, Whereas I was in college, I was 20 years old when I started my first business, I went to the Mm louisiana.gov website, found the GoBiz portal. You pay like 75 bucks, you got a certificate. Went down to the courthouse, got my license. I literally did it in like a week. Right. um, And had everything set up to run my first business. And I had zero clue what I was doing. Mm -hmm. That is... That is an incredible, incredible gift. Like, it might be hard to start a business, but dadgummit, it is worth it. Like, we have... Yeah. Well, and it's... No, it's the earning whole... potential is just infinite. Exactly. As opposed to getting capped. It, yeah. Exactly. And it's it's that that cliche saying is like the cream rises to the top. It's like, yeah. so everyone can start a business. Not everyone's yeah. going to succeed, and that's fine. And that's why the failure rate is so high. Right. Not to be like a Debbie Downer, but it's like it's possible if you want to do it like it's there and that's what I always talk about like is the glass ceiling it's like it's gone like when you start a business I could literally get hired tomorrow by somebody who wants to pay me a billion dollars for whatever reason or I could like completely go bankrupt in the next month like I have no (laughs) it just could go either way at all times and it's very um sobering but also like liberating to be like okay like I don't work for anyone like this is infinitely it's on you everything's on you but it's infinitely like there's so many opportunities like literally all today I might talk to you on this podcast and then someone might hear it and then want to hire you know me for x y and z and you just never know how it's going to go so it's um it's a lot of work but it is exciting I feel like and I'm not doing near as much as like what you just described because our businesses are very different but you I mean now that you're learning about the app you know side of things and the the tech side of things and having investors and all that like it's pretty valuable that you now, you now know how to do all this because if it does go well, like it's just, once again, infinite opportunities for you right. to do it again in a different way. Exactly. And I don't know that I will ever shake the entrepreneurial bug, but I will say this. There is something to be said for having a stable job working oh, yeah. for someone else. Uh, it is – some people truly are uh, – cut out for that type of work they want that type of work it is good for them they thrive in that environment um you've probably heard the term uh entrepreneur where you have your entrepreneurial tendencies but they play out inside of an organization um there's tons of room for that every company needs innovation happening within its walls so 
just because you have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean you should. Um, but if you want to, then I say go for it. You'll learn so much. It's amazing. Yeah, and I always have to remind myself that nothing's permanent at yeah, all. Like, yeah. <laughs> I get caught up that, like, oh, this thing I launched, it's going to be the <laughs> death, like, it's the end, like, even just like, this podcast. And just talking to someone like you, and you're like, oh, yeah, we stopped doing it. Yep. Like, it's nothing's permanent. You right. don't have to, like. It's okay to quit something. Yeah, and it's the same thing, like, where I'm so passionate about being an entrepreneur, but, like, if I got an opportunity tomorrow to go work for a company I really liked, and it was a good paycheck, and it was a good environment, and a good everything else, like, I would be down. Like, I'm yeah. not against it. So I think people are so hard-headed one direction or the other yeah. that it's never permanent. And I've heard of people who have worked for themselves for years and then gone to work in a corporate position right. or vice versa. And it, you can, I mean, also since Social Security is going to run out anyways, we'll all be working <laughs> right. forever. So, yeah. I mean, honestly. I, like, I have no plans of quitting ever or Yeah, we have ever. plenty yeah. of years to, like, flip and flop and try different things. Yeah. Like, what do you do now is not going to be what you do forever, exactly. usually, I think. One of the things that I have really taken to heart is, uh, have you heard of Malcolm Gladwell? Uh, he... Uh, talked about this idea of 10,000 hours to become an expert. Oh, uh, I think I've heard the, of that like concept. Okay, yeah. It, but not, is it like a TED Talk or something? Because I've never seen uh, it. I don't know if that was, was in a, a TED Talk, but it, I think it was in his book, um, maybe Outliers or something like that. Anyway, he's an amazing author, and the idea that that he presented was if you can do put 10,000 hours into something, you can be called an expert, typically speaking. You break that down, and it is, if you're working a 40-hour work week, it's typically around 10 years' worth of time. So break down your working life from, let's say, age 20 to age 60. Let's just be conservative here. Most people probably can work till they're 70 now, but let's say 20 to 60. That's 40 years of your life. And if you were to break it up into 10-year chunks, you could theoretically be an expert in all kinds of things. Four different areas, completely different. Start from scratch in four different areas. So that gives me a lot of uh, peace about pursuing something, even for three or four or five years. Shoot, if that doesn't work out, I don't feel like I've wasted my life. I have learned so much. I've accomplished something, hopefully. And uh, I've still got plenty of lifetimes worth of, of different career opportunities ahead of me, so. Yeah, for someone like me mm-hmm. and you, we have our hands in lots of different areas and yep. talented at lots of different things, and it can be overwhelming to try to figure out what right which to direction be doing. Do I get? But that's kind of the whole point of like do what you want and why I made stickers and everything because I just I kept it. I had to keep telling myself like just do what you want because like at the end of the day like who cares <laughs> right. like who cares yep. what I'm doing how does it affect them it doesn't so just yep. like if I want to do this this and this I'll do this, this and this um, but like you said there's opportunities and plenty of years to dabble I love the word dabble so much like I think you can just dabble in everything when we did that podcast all VR uh, we started it on a whim because Abe and I just wanted to work together we had no other pretense other than let's let's make something together Mm -hmm. you know fast forward two years and we had built something that had a lot of structure to it had processes had uh, you know, a website and, and like a lot of content and it felt like we had built something meaningful. And so to say, let's quit or let's, you know, end it was kind of an emotional like gut wrench. Mm-hmm. And we even had people say, oh, I can't believe you're ending the podcast. And ultimately when we said, nah, we're going to go ahead and shut this down. Guess how long it took for people to forget? Like a day. A day later, nobody cared that we quit the podcast. Well, because it still lives on. so It does. And it just goes to show that uh, despite 
how much you think someone cares about your life, chances are they, they kind of don't. Yeah. So f- feel free to screw up. Feel free to quit something. Feel free to try and fail. I guarantee you no one cares if you fail. Yeah. Like, except maybe your mom, right? Well, that's so funny because <laughs> I kind of had a similar thought the other day. I had, like, this microneedling facial thing uh, a couple of days ago, and it makes your face, like, look like a third-degree burn because like, it's a like, controlled inflammation for your skin to, like, rebuild its skin cells and to get rid of scarring and ah, whatever. That's cool. So I did it on a Thursday because I was like, okay, if it's going to be, like, three or four days of, like, looking crazy, that's <laughs> right. over the week and I'll just lay low. Yep. And I can't not overshare. I just – so I'm, like, on Instagram stories, like, look at my face. It looks crazy. <laughs> and that was easy for me. Right. But then when it actually took me going to the store – I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to notice and it's going to be so weird and they're going to wonder what happened to me and I'm going to explain myself. And no one looks at you at all. And it just made me really realize like we are all so in our heads about everything and like nobody gives a crap about what you look like or anything. (laughs) I mean, you might have like a stalker or someone really close to you that like really recognizes, but I went to like Home Goods. I was like at the grocery store and like, yeah, maybe when I was like checking out with my car, someone was kind of like looking at my face twice but for the most part like but they forgot five seconds it doesn't matter and yeah. it doesn't affect their life so what does it matter so yeah. um that's such a, a shallow and random you know example but it's just one of those times where you realize like i'm i'm just a speck yep. <laughs> not Be. in a bad way but truly like there's just so many more right. things going on that it's not take advantage of your anonymity that was one thing that um i think it was chance the rapper was saying he said man when i was starting up uh, nobody knew who I was, so it didn't matter mm-hmm. if I tried something and failed. He put out a mixtape, boom, blew up, yeah. awesome. But what happens if it didn't? Literally, no one cares. Yeah. Or no one would have cared. Right. Um, and I don't think that's something to be said. That's like a, a negative, like no, it's an like amazing no one cares. Gift. But it's, it's truly an amazing like gift. you have so much. There's no pressure. When exactly. No, one cares. no pressure. No pressure. So we're we're starting block. Great. All my friends and family know if it fails, um, they, they will be bummed for me in the moment. But like a week later, they'll have forgotten that they had a friend who started a business and failed. Well, because <laughs> you're the kind of person that's going to figure it out and just try something different. Hopefully. Yeah, so hopefully. I don't think you're the kind of person that if it fails, you're going to sit around and like dwell on it for yeah, like yeah, 20 yeah. years. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yep. I don't think it's going to fail, though. It sounds like a very you. useful and relevant Invention. So thanks. And so far, we've had an amazing response. Everybody's loved it. Um, we obviously we run into bugs here and there, and uh, that's where we consider it to be an opportunity to uh, make a loyal customer for life. So when somebody's uh, lawn gets screwed up, which FYI, anybody listening, that doesn't happen that often. But, <laughs> but it's lawn care. Every once well, in a while, do it you, does. How do you screw up a lawn? Uh, you can scalp it. You can. Uh. Um, this hasn't happened yet, but theoretically, you could like run into somebody's house with your mower. And, oh, or like a car you know, or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I was like, how can you like mess up cutting grass? I feel right. like the grass just there's, grows back yeah, the next are, day. There are ways that you can, I guess, mess it up. But, I don't have much experience mowing uh, lawns though. So. If you're weed eating, you can you know dig a little trench in the yard okay. on accident. But so all of that stuff, all the crap hitting the fan, uh, is a chance for us to break out stellar customer service. And this mm-hmm. is one of the things that we are most passionate about because 
Uh, customer service is one of those uh, game changers. Have you ever had like a really bad experience? You call customer service, they answer on the first ring, it's a real human being, they refund it to you, they send you another pair of boots or whatever it was, and they're just like, hey, donate the other ones to Salvation Army or something, like help somebody. It makes you like the company you more. You love the company. Even though they screwed it up the yes. first time. So that is, that's our mission is we want people to love Block. We, so brands are brands that are loved by people typically are not associated with lawn care. They're associated with cool cars or cool clothes, right? Those are the brands people love. We want people to love the Block brand, to want to put a dang sticker on their car. Like Hollister t-shirt style, yes. but like Block lawn yes. care. <laughs> yeah. Like be so pumped about their lawn care service that they just can't help but tell everybody. And so we make a point to to go out of our way to solve customer pain points and solve their problems and make sure they're well taken care of. Um, so what do you have to lose? Give Block a try. If, yeah. you, if you hate your service, uh, you don't have to try it again. And if we screw something up, then that's on us and we'll make sure we take care of it. Yeah, so. Jacob might be the one on the phone with you. So Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I'd be happy to chat. It's a small enough company. You might be the one doing the yeah. customer service. Very possible. Um, so... If everyone just wants to go into the app store, they just search Block and it'll come up? Yep. Uh, so I would search Block Lawn Care okay. or even just on-demand lawn care where the first one that pops up. Okay. So, uh, yeah, those are two easy ways to find us. You can also Google us and go to blocklawncare.com. Okay. And there's links to download there as well. Okay. I'm so going to link all these things in the show notes. And my landlord takes care of our grass cutting, but I will have to spread the word. Spread the word. I will. Even if your landlord wants to use us, we're happy to yeah. cut some grass for them too. Yeah, so. well, he's got a couple properties, Perfect. so maybe he's listening. Um, okay, well, thanks so much, Jacob. Thanks, Jordan. Have a good one. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Do What You Want Radio. As always, you can find all the tools and links that are referenced in this week's episode at dowhatyouwantradio.com in the show notes. If listening to this podcast has brought you any value at all, please take a moment to go subscribe, rate, and review Do What You Want Radio so that I can continue to reach creatives just like you and me. Doing this podcast is a lot of fun, but it takes a lot of work as well, and I do it all by myself. So I really appreciate those of you who keep listening week after week. You've already dedicated a lot of your time to listening to my voice, talking too fast probably, but if you're not tired of me yet, you can keep up with me, my photography work, and the creative services, products, and workshops I offer at jordanheffler.com and at jordanheffler on Instagram. If you want to be hardcore informed, subscribe to my weekly newsletter to get a free branding worksheet, as well as weekly tips and promotional offers for my digital products and merchandise, like Lightroom presets, Instagram overlays, t-shirts, hats, and everything else you didn't know you needed. You can sign up at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Thanks again for tuning in to Do What You Want Radio. I just want to let you know that you're probably doing a great job and you probably deserve a beer. So go get one. See you next week.